Hello, Kardak Radio. Welcome to our Sunday night, uh, Eastern Time and uh, all time zones in between. It is 8 p.m. here on real time, and I think it's like 6 now on uh, Eastern Time, but we're sticking to, since I'm right now in real time, I'm sticking to that time because I don't want to change depending on who has daylight saving times turned off or on. So we could be a little bit earlier for you on some parts of the nation and the same time for other parts of the world. So I welcome everyone and we will be sick, sicking at the same time uh, until as long as we can go on Sunday nights. Also remember we have a Wednesday night at this same time on Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us, a live stream on the Facebook page, on that Facebook page. Welcome to our Sunday night presentation. And today we're talking about the gospel according to Spiritism. Now, Alan Kardec, the codifier of Spiritism's first book was the Spirit's Book. I have that right up here for those who are watching us live, uh, is the Spirit's Book. He created it through talking to every uh, different mediums. He had a series of 1,019 questions. He asked different mediums in different ge geographical areas the same question, and he didn't codify it into his book unless he got the similar or the same answer. Now, tonight we're going to talk about his second book. So let me bring that up, which is to me, well, I love this. I love the. Uh, the Spirit's book. There's no such, you know, that's my favorite one, of course. And I recommend for everyone to read that. That's the foundation of Spiritism. But another book that I find very useful, and I've gone over many, many times, is The Gospel According to Spiritism. And in it, he talks about things that were said in the New Testament, what Jesus said, and how we should interpret it according to Spiritism. And I find this uh, extremely valuable because many things, and maybe I just didn't understand, but like all the parables, he really un he explains well and goes through what they mean. And what I'm going to do in this next series of Sunday nights is go through, uh, you know, chapter after chapter, kind of say, this is what Alan Kardec is saying for each each major heading. And then I might add some new things that I've seen have come to light in other spiritist literature uh, since the time when Alan Kardec wrote the gospel according to spiritism. So let's start. This is exciting. So the first thing I want to do is just kind of go over the history of the book. So this today is just more of an introduction. So this is the third book of the doctrine as codified by Alan Kardec. I'm sorry, it's the third book. I thought it was, I said the second. I apologize for that. His real name, and I pardon me if I pronounce this incorrectly, it's, he was he was French, is Hippolyte Leon Desenard Rival. And you can actually learn a lot more about him. And I would recommend for everyone is to look at this movie on Netflix. If you have a, a, a subscription to Netflix, it's the movie called Kardec. It's a great movie. You can listen to it in English or see it in subtitles. It was created by Brazilians, the same uh, Wagner de uh, Assis. And he's the same person that created the wonderful movie, No Solar, also called Astral City in English, if you'd like to see that and rent that. So I would recommend anyone seeing that movie, Kardec. So I cannot stress that enough. Talks all about him. Let me give you a quick introduction. It will actually hopefully make, if you see that movie, even make it better. 
He was born in Lyon, France on the 3rd of October 1804 into a family who for many generations had either been lawyers or magistrates. He was very intelligent as a child and was taught high principles of honor and moral by his parents. And he really was interested in sciences and philosophy. And actually, when he was 10 years of age, he was sent to the institute uh, at Petalzozzi, at Yerdun, in Switzerland. I'm probably pronouncing those wrong. And that's where he really learned the art of investigation and free thinking. And then, even at the age of 14, he began to give free lessons to school fellows who were less advanced, and on occasion was asked to teach officially by Petalozzi himself. So, he was a child prodigy. Then, in 1822, at the age of 18, he returned to France. A year later, he took up residence in Paris, and in 1824, published his first book, entitled A Theoretical and Practical Arithmetic Course. This was so successful that it continued to be reprinted till as late as 1876. And that is amazing. He had an instinct for methodology, you know, so he really knew how to lay out a problem and decide how to, how to break it in the, in the parts and follow it, right? And, and it's, you know, it's like one of the heuristic abilities. He also wrote a book. He published many books, and one of them including a classic grammar of the French language. And some of those were adopted by the French university. And the sale of these books rendered him a sufficient income to live on while he continued to give free lessons to school children. He taught a diverse amount of subjects, chemistry, mathematics, astronomy, physics, rhetoric, comparative anatomy, and physiology. He spoke fluent Italian and Spanish. He had a good knowledge of German, English, and Dutch, and some knowledge of Latin, Greek, and, and Gaelic, Gaelic even. He also translated a number of books. And he, one of these included one by Fenelon, which he translated into Germany. He opened his first school in 1825, and it bore the name First Grade School for Superior Teaching. And in the following year, he opened the Rival Technical Institute, whose teaching was based on that of his previous mentor, Petalozzi. He married his wife, Amelie, on 6th of February, 1832. She was nine years his senior, a writer, teacher of fine arts, poetress, and artist. And she was a perfect companion and helper. And she was dedicated and uncomplaining. And she played an important part in all of her husband's activities. And you actually see that in the movie Kardec. And she has sustained him through many financial difficulties he encountered during his life. So, this extraordinary, already an extraordinary person had nothing to do with spirits, right? And he could have been renowned and wealthy through his various talents, but... It wasn't. So what happened? So what happened that got him off of writing books, teaching children? Well, in between 1848 and 1850, there's an explosion of the spirit phenomenon occurred in America, which was like table wrapping. And it, Kardec wrote, he said, this is what he said. It was in 1854 that I learned about table turning for the first time. And his friend, Mr. Fortier, brought him this initial news. He said, the tables also talk. And Kardec's reply to this was, well, I'll only believe it when I see it. And when it can be proved to me that a table has a brain which can think, nerves to feel, and can also become alive. Until then, allow me to see nothing more than fantasy in those stories. So he wasn't this mystic person that was ready to believe everything. He 
he was very scientific. This is why his spiritism has lasted as long as it has and will continue to last and will become the foundations of all religions in the future. He really didn't believe in such thing as ghosts. But finally, Mr. Fortier in 1855, persuaded him, you know, a a see what you think. So he finally did. And he, he got curious about this because there's like, there's something there. He became a frequent visitor at the seance held in his house of a certain Mr. Baudin. And there he began his studies and research. Now he was never a medium. He was never at the table talking directly to the spirits. Now, of course, Alan Kardec says in the mediums book that we are all mediums, inspirational mediums, but he was never a medium that talked directly to spirits or heard or saw visions or saw spirits. And his wife always accompanied to him. So, finally, the spirits kind of told him, okay, this is serious. You're going to have to do something about this. And as he and his wife talked, and he adopted the nom de plume Alan Kardec. Now, Alan Kardec was actually the name of him, of one of his instantiations, incarnations in a previous life. He was a druid priest. And of course, it took many, many years, 20, 30 years to become a true druid priest. It was very disciplined. And a lot of the druids think is in line with spiritism. We can always go on that later, but it's very interesting. So, he wrote his first book, the Spirit's Book, in 1857, and the same year began meetings in his own home. And then in 1867, he met Leon Denis, who, I, again, he's written great books, too. Uh, and so he shows it. And then, of course, in 1869, March 31st, he was drawing up the Constitution and rules of a new society that he planned to form, and he, then he died sit, uh, seated in his usual chair at his study table. So, now, let's get on to the introduction to the book, uh, The Gospel According to Spiritism. So, this is what the Spirit of Truth told him to say in the, in the preface. The spirits of the Lord, who are the virtues of heaven, move as does an immense army upon receiving orders from their commander, spreading out over the face of the earth, and similar to the stars, which fall one after another from the skies, are come to illumine pathways and to open the eyes of those who cannot see. In truth, I say to you, the times are come when all things will be established in their true light, when the darkness shall be dissipated, the prideful confounded, and the just glorified. The great voices of heaven reverberate like the sound of trumpets and the choirs of angels assemble. Mankind, we are inviting you to this divine concert. Take up the harp and lift up your voices in unison, so that in the sacred chorus the sound may extend and re-echo from one extreme of the universe to the other. Fellow beings, beloved brothers and sisters, we are here beside you. Love one another and say from the bottom of your hearts, Lord, Lord, in doing so you fulfill the wishes of the Father who is in heaven, then you too may enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that was the message from the Spirit of Truth. Now there's nothing in this message that has been changed that I've seen in any of the Spiritist writings 
in the last 150 years since this was published. Everything has done, everything that's come since the Spirit's book, since the Gospel According to Spiritism, this is fulfilling, is filling out more and more of this information where they're saying that, you know, we are going to hear this up. We're going to be into, we're going to be learning something else. We're going to be in this new philosophy, this new doctrine. And that is what's being given to us, the doctrine of spiritism. The doctrine of spiritism is not meant to replace religion. It is meant to give the foundations for any religions to know that we are based here about what karma, reincarnation, we are here. The planet of Earth is a planet of atonement, soon hopefully to be a planet of regeneration. And we're here to learn and to make ourselves into pure spirits. Now, one of the um, very interesting sections, and a lot of people may not, they skip this section, but I think it is very interesting. He goes on in, in great depth talking about the beginning of all this. And he talks about the, a summary of the teachings of Socrates and Plato. So this is what he says. And of course, I've read many of the dialogues. I was just very into, uh, into the dialogues of Socrates when I was in high school and college. And um, that was really probably the first time I became more more spiritual. Was a, I was I was somewhat into the the Bible, but it just didn't read well to me. Um, now I can understand it much better. But I really got into knowing that there was something beyond myself as a as a completely self centered teenager adolescent uh, by reading the dialogues of Plato. So this is how, this is what uh, Alan Kardec, who I'd like to point out, according to many spiritists, I don't know this for a complete fact, but very good people have said this, is that Alan Kardec was Plato. So Alan Kardec uh, was at an incarnation. He was Plato, probably somewhere before or after his incarnation, probably before his incarnation as Alan Kardec, the Druid priest. It just shows you how the spirit world reuses us to do different functions. So let's see what um, Socrates talks about. So let me bring up a picture of Socrates. To me, uh, this is one of the best pictures ever. I love this picture by, by, by David, I believe. Uh, it's in the Louvre. I think I saw this many, many years ago when I was in the Louvre. So this is the picture of the death of Socrates. So what, what did, did Socrates believe in? Because, and I've written articles on this, Socrates really was the harbinger. It wasn't just John the Baptist. If you look at what the New Testament is about, you'll find many things that, and, and I'll go on this is what Alan Kardec says, that really are the beginnings of Christianity. So, what did Socrates say? He said, man is an incarnate soul. Before his, before his incarnation, he existed united to the primordial models, to the ideas of truth, goodness, and beauty. Then separating from them, he he incarnates, and on remembering his past, is more or less tormented by the desire to return. Well, we all know that. In fact, we've seen that in NDEs, right? And so, 
So this is really the basic principle of intelligence, and those of matter could not be more clearly expressed, according to Allan Kardec. And it's also, he's, he's saying right there, it's the doctrine of pre-existence, of man's vague intuition of another world. I have news for everyone, is that deep inside of us, there's always that thirst of something beyond us, of, of spirituality. That's not going away. People can try to ignore it and train it out of us like they've done in communist societies and, and in China and North Korea right now, but it's always going to come back. It's just, it's part of us. It's, we were made with that. And then, this is, this is what I think is just, um, the more I read this, what Socrates said, it's just amazing. So then Socrates says also, the soul becomes perturbed and confused when it uses the body in order to consider any object. It becomes dizzy as if intoxicated because it holds on to things which by their very nature are subject to change. Whereas when man contemplates his very essence, he directs himself to that which is pure, eternal, and immortal. And seeing that his soul is of this nature, he remains joined to this state as long as he can. His perpetuations then cease because he is joined to that which is immutable, and that is the state of the soul called wisdom. So, Alan Kardec talked about this. This is what he said. When man considers things in down-to-earth fashion, is only deceiving himself. To see things in a true perspective, he must look upon them from high up, that is to say, from the spiritual point of view. Those who are in possession of truism, then, must isolate the soul from the body in order to see with the eyes of the spirit. And this is what spiritism also teaches. And this is what I've also talked about in my book, How to Live Inner Peace Through Spiritism. And, well, Socrates also said it best, too. Socrates also said, it's impossible to think clearly when you're in a human body because you have a thousand things coming at you all the time. And boy, is that not true. You're, you're, you know, I mean, some people can sit and meditate for hours. You know, if I can make it 10 minutes, I am lucky because my mind wanders and goes. I mean, it, it, Socrates says you can never get true wisdom while you're trapped in a body. And Alan Kardec horsebacks that up. And that's why, but you, what we need to do on this earth is kind of train ourselves and look at things from higher up. Now, when they say higher up, they don't mean just higher up and look things from uh, a high level of, you know, you're a part of this little, uh, of, you know, this little town or city or this part of your life. No. Higher up also is, why are you here? Look at your life from the beginning to the arc of your life, that you're just in one life of many, that you are living, that you are living in one life. You are, you are learning lessons that you need to, to learn. You may not learn a lesson in this life. It may take into the next life. The person you hate, that person is that way because they are an immature spirit. At some time, they will become a wonderful, pure spirit. This is what is meant by looking at things from the eyes of a spirit. Oh, here. So then, he also says, the soul in its impure state, this is what Socrates says, finds itself oppressed and is once again attracted to the visible world by the fear of that which is invisible and immaterial. It is a mistake then to say that the gloomy ghosts seen round tombs and monuments most must be the souls of those who have left their bodies without being absolutely pure, and so still conserve part of the material form which makes them visible to the human eye. 
In fact, they are not good but bad souls, dragging with them the penalties of their first life, who find themselves forced to wander in such places, where they will continue to wander till their appetites, inherent to the material form with which they are clad, recalls them to another body. Then beyond doubt they will return to, to the same habits which were the objects of their preference during their first life. So this is what Socrates said. This has been backed up in material after material in the books by Henri Luis, the books by Yvonne Piera, uh, uh, Memoirs of a Suicide, where we are told when we are, are tied to the earth or we are of a criminal personality, we will not ascend into heaven. We are st- because, now Socrates that I haven't read so far, I don't think he said about the law of affinity, but the law of affinity is what groups us like to like. And therefore, as, as Socrates said, when you, and a lot of people, you know, back then, you know, just like now, there's a certain percentage that feel the spirits around them and they see these spirits wandering around in places. Socrates, Socrates is saying, well, those spirits are still tied to the earth. Now, it doesn't mean that some good spirits are not there helping and going over, but they're not there on a 24-hour basis. The, the not-so-good spirits are, I should say, immature spirits, are material, materially-based spirits, are tied to the earth, are under it, right? And they could be in different levels. There's many levels of the lower zone, the dark abyss, but somehow they're still around us. So, again, Spiritism tells us the same thing. And now the other one that he, what he also says is, and this is not what the Catholic Church says. Remember, Socrates said they will return to the same habits, right? But all, but what happens is that they can return to the same habits, but eventually they will rise and they'll get out of that purgatory, right? There's no eternal hell. And in this way, he's also saying that they will make progress. Now, then he says, after our death, the genie, the dame, the devil, whatever they, they said, who had been assigned to us during our life, of course, the daemon actually meant a, a spirit, not, not a demon per se, will take us to a place where all who must go to Hades in order to be judged are gathered. The souls, after been in Hades a necessary length of time, are then returned to this life for long periods and multiple times. So, what is he saying? And this is, of course, translated into English, uh, into French and then into English. This is a saying that there are guardian angels that will take you to where you will be judged as you leave this life. And you will stay, when he says Hades, probably he's meaning the lower zone. And, and if Chico Xavier said that about 30% of the people will ascend to heaven, and that was in the middle of the 20th century, I have no idea what the percentage was back in around 400 BC. Yeah, 10%? I would love to know what the number was. Uh, and I could, we could plot the interpolation, but probably not very many. So Socrates was probably being pretty broad, saying, well, most people are going to stay around the earth. And then he even clarifies, he says, devils occupy the space which separates heaven from earth. This constitutes the link which that unites the universe itself. 
the divinity never enters into direct contact with man, which is done through the meditation of the devils with whom the gods have dealings and who occupy themselves with him both during waking and sleeping. So, again, when they say devils, it's not, you know, they don't mean as bad as it is today. And it wasn't exclusively for evil beings, but for spirits in general. Only the devil became something uh, hundreds of years hundreds of years after so she's saying that we communicate and we should really use the word spirit right and then then we have and then and we have that the spirits are leading us being with us leading us sometimes for good leading some us sometimes for bad so so what what um, Alan Kardec said is that Socrates and Plato understood perfectly the different levels of the de dematerialized soul. And they were taking it, some are here, some are higher, right? So you can see where Socrates is, is um, giving us the basic information. Now, this is what else Socrates said. The body retains the well-impressed vestiges of the care it received, as well as the marks of all the accidents suffered. The same applies to the soul. When it disposes of the body, it maintains in evidence the features of its character, its affections, as well as the marks that have been left on it by various occurrences during its life. Thus, the worst, the worst thing that can happen to a man or woman is to return to the other world with his or her soul laden with crimes. So, again, what is spiritism? What is the New Testament says, you know? Forgive, you know, I mean, don't do crimes, right? And he's telling us, don't do bad things. And the worst thing you can do is to, is to not strive to be a better person before you go over to, to the real world, the spirit realm. Because then, and the spiritism tells us, that when you commit a crime, when you do something bad, the hardest judge that you have is yourself. You are just so terrible yourself. If you are in one levels of heaven, if not, if you're in the lower zone, you may not. It may not occur to you right away, but it will. You'll be given chances to think, and then you will say, "Oh my heavens, I couldn't believe I did that." And then you will beg for forgiveness, and you really are trying to get forgiveness from yourself. And then you'll ask for a new incarnation and ask to be given trials for you to to learn from your atonement so then now this is what now this is what socrates says about like the golden rule this you know says do unto others as you would have others do unto you but he didn't say this is what he said Never return one injustice with another, nor harm anyone, whatever harm they may have caused to others. Few, however, will admit this principle, and those who disagree will, beyond a doubt, do nothing but despise one another. This is what Socrates said. And, of course, that is, and, you know, as the spirits have told us, if you want to boil down spiritism to one thing, it's follow the golden rule. And what's interesting about Socrates is he said, no, don't do this. Don't. Don't do bad things to people. 
Now, one of the things, and if you look at this picture I have up here, the deaths of Socrates, why was Socrates killed? Well, because he preached things like this. He said, my, he, during the ancient times, and for, you know, it's even some places now, might makes right, right? If you are stronger, you do whatever you want. You're not bound by morals. Socrates was polluting the minds of the young of Athens by saying, no, you shouldn't do this. This is not good. If you're hurting someone, that's, you know, and, and, and of course, Athens at that time was an expanding empire doing some, you know, they were, a lot of people read about them very surfacely and say, well, you know, they were against the Spartans, but they also treated their, their uh, subjective, the subject cities, not very well. They had to do what they were told or Athens would attack them. So, the city fathers didn't really appreciate this in Socrates. And that's why you'll see throughout history, when nations attack other nations, it may work in the short run, but in the long run, the spirit world turns this around and they're bringing up great, you know, great debts, debits, great debts to their, to their karma, whole nations, and they'll have to pay for that. You know, it's like, you know, Germany attacking the whole world in World War II and World War I. Now they're finally defeated. Boy, were they the second time. They really had to learn a lesson. This happened with the Roman Empire. Expanded immensely. Enslaved huge, great, you know, thrust of populations. Tax farm people to like, oh, to the max. And finally they were saying, no, sorry, that's not going to last anymore. You are going to be wiped out. And then hence the Dark Ages. So, he also said, We call he who loves his body more than his soul depraved. Love is everywhere in nature, and it calls us to our intelligence. We even find it in the movements of the planets. It is love which covers nature with its richest carpet. It is the decoration and makes it home where there are flowers and perfumes. It is also love which gives peace to mankind, calls the sea, calms the sea, silences the storms, and give sleep to sufferers. So, again, everything he is saying is the same as what is called to uh, in <clears throat> in the books. Excuse me, in the Spiritism books, and it was they with they more and more, especially in the books by the Reverend G. Bowen, which I talk about in my uh, book Heaven and Below, and the Spirits the Spirit Universe. And then uh, how spirits guide us. We bring that up. Is the whole environment of heaven is love. Love permeates the air, the beings, and you feel connected, right? I have people say, "Why I feel you know I feel lonely, right?" And there's a reason that we come to Earth because yes, you do feel more lonely when you are in one of the levels of heaven. According to the law of affinity, you are with like, like that attracts like, right? You are like people with you. You are with colleagues, friends, family. You feel connected. You are connected. You're connected on a data and emotional level. On earth, you are more isolated. There is a purpose to this. When you are more isolated, you are more emotionally, um, you're more emotionally approachable, right? You're vulnerable. 
And the reason you need to be emotionally vulnerable is because then the trials and tribulations will come and teach you how to modify your personality and your character. That's why we're on earth. That's why sometimes we feel lonely. Sometimes these bad things happen to us. It's all here to teach us a lesson. And I talk about uh, the whole organization of the spirit world in my series of three books, Heaven and Below, Spirits in the Spirit's Universe, and How We Are Guided by Spirits. Now, the next thing that the uh, next major revelation, which uh, Alan Kardec talks about, is that from Moses. So let's talk about that. Let me bring that up. And I want to talk about it. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to keep that for next uh, next week. And I'm going to talk about I have not come to destroy the law and what that means and what the, the gospel, uh, according to spiritism, uh, is talking about when he says, I have not come to destroy the law. And I, I think you'll find this very interesting in how the Ten Commandments and the whole large parts of the Old Testament is very directive. And as the New Testament becomes more, okay, more Okay, this is kind of more, this is step up a bit. We're not telling you exactly what to do and what you must do, otherwise you'll be punished, but we're going to give you guidelines and hope you have some sort of self-discipline. And then, of course, spiritism came along. It's more consultative where you said, okay, here's the data. Here's the information about the spirit world. This is where we are now. And this is for you to pick up off the table and read or not read at your leisure. This is very important step is for you to understand that is that uh, this will all be done for you. So, yeah, so these will always be part of it. In fact, I have a comment from a person that says that I don't think we as human beings can ever be at peace. We are always full of greed and jealousy. Nations always want to take over other nations to do greed. Unless Jesus comes down to earth a second time, there will never be peace on earth. So, that's a, you know, that is certainly a very valid uh, statement. And one can see why, given our present culture, why that would be true. But I think that if you step back and you look at the progress of mankind, uh, that nations have become more fair. Not all, right? There are still very aggressive nations that want to take over, right? What Iraq did to Kuwait during that, during that war, and China's doing their, you know, Uyghurs, North Korea doing its people. But you don't see the massive wars of aggression. Of course, that's a lot of, is because of, you know, probably the presence of nuclear weapons and countries such as the United States that act as the policemen. But in ancient times, when people had no scruples, if they had nuclear weapons, they would have used them right away. The United States never did. Plus, there has been studies by archaeologists, very interesting, looking at graves back in tribal times and medieval times, and they see they could count a percentage of people in the graves that were killed by weapons, right? They were that did not die naturally, and that was like twenty-five to forty, fifty percent. Now that's a lot less. So. If you look at things within the last 10, 20, 100 years, you're absolutely correct. If you look at things in the last four or 5,000 years, 
the human race have, has made progress. We are killing each other less. There, there are morals. People go, I don't think you can do that, right? The people in Hong Kong are rising up and China is not squashing them like a bug like they could if they wanted to because they're afraid that they will, people will look at them in, at, in a bad light. So there are some moral boundaries that are becoming to be established by the human culture as a whole. So what is happening is that we are expected to become more mature and learn on our own. Now, many people are expecting Jesus to come as a second time. I don't think that will happen necessarily, but what Spiritism says is that some very high spirits are coming again to help lead us. Socrates and Buddha are, from what I have heard, are supposed to be, be reincarnated either now or in the near future. So we will be given guideposts. After all, Brazil had Chico Xavier, who was wrote you know more than 450 books, wonderful books, to lead us and give us information. Spiritism gave us Alan Kardec to give us Spiritism. And then Leon Denis wrote books, Reverend G. Bao Owen, Chico Xavier wrote 450 books, Devaldo Frankel still writing books today, the information that we have. And that's essentially what I have been doing with my books is collating all this, giving my my uh, opinion, hopefully exp- you know, explaining things, I think, more fully, taking things from multiple multiple sources and explaining what it means to you. Because I, I believe if I can explain to you what the spirit world is, what the organization is about us, above us, all around us, then you can make your own decision how you want to live your life. The world is not going to be transformed by some big bang theory because let's say that Jesus came to earth and proved himself to be, I'm, I'm Jesus and I can, you know, make, you know, a thousand loaves of bread from, from a loaf of bread. Well, you know what would happen. People would believe for a while and then the TV shows would come on a year afterwards, maybe six months, and say, well, I, I think that was mass hysteria. I, I don't believe it. It wouldn't change our internal character. Therefore, this planet's not going to rise above until we all are part of changing our spiritual nature. And that is what Spiritism tells us too, is the planet will change when the majority of us are, be, are having, taking the primitive emotions, hate, envy, jealousy, the want of materialism all the time, right? More, more, more. Then through the earth will respond to our spirituality and the earth will rise up, will transform into a less dense, into a spirit, less, you know, we will transform into a less dense, even in a physical sense when we're humans on earth, we'll be lighter and less dense and the earth will too become a planet of regeneration. That is how it will transform. It won't be, because if someone comes and directs you that, nope, it's like the policeman on the corner, right? If the policeman has to be on the corner all the time to stop crime, then the people around them, they're not good souls because they want to be, because, but they fear the alternative. We have to be at the point where we, where we want to be a good, mature spirit, not because we, are, we fear punishment. 
Now, this goes right into what I'm saying with the Old Testament. That was, you better follow this or you're going to be punished. And that was, and again, and Spiritism tells us, the spirits communicate to us on earth according to the level of culture and technology we have at the time. And that's what you had to tell that, that, that tribe of, of Jews wandering the desert that, that, you know, okay, follow these orders, guys. And if you don't, we're going to, you know, whack you on the head. Was, you know, and the, the real Old Testament is like, it's pretty cruel at times. But that was the level of culture. Now, in the modern era, we had, you know, or let's say beginning, in, it was Christ who came the New Testament, right? The Romans had created a civilization. The Roman civilization was pretty peaceful, Pax Romana. Now, they degraded in their, in their quest for power and greed. And, of course, there's other parts of the world that were still just doing fine. You know, the Chinese Empire, so on and so forth, were very advanced. But then, in now, in the modern era, we've, we're, most of us, and it's just, you know, and of course, the, the Buddhists have been around there, uh, the Hindus for thousands and thousands of years, the Zoroastrians believe, and, you know, the, it's a common it's a common thread of religion is the golden rules and on in any of the religions, right? Don't do terrible things to people. Do how you want to be dealt with. So this is, now you have to remember that the earth is full of people that don't just wake up one day and start afresh and say, oh, no, I, I, I need to become civilized. We all have been incarnated many, many times before. And hopefully I know that I have, like, by, you know, being told to me what I've done in my past lives, I was not a very good person at all, corrupt and mean, that we have each become better. So if you look at the, at the evolution of the world through replacing populations, one generation after another, with a little bit more advanced spirits, then a little bit more advanced spirits, and a little bit more, of course, this takes tens of thousands of years, then you will see the progress of the earth. So this is why it's important to not lose hope. We, you know, each really small grain of sand is one more, you know, so every time that one person becomes spiritual and says, oh, I need to become a better person, and that person dies, when they come back, they won't lose that predilection in their character and their personality they will they don't start saying well i'm going to be raised and i'm going to be a crass materialist and i'm going to cheat everybody i can to make money no their predilection will then be in that next life to become a better more honest person that is the miracle of reincarnation and that is how the spirit world subtly guides like they take a chess piece off they put another chess piece on somewhere else in another culture, you know, you'll see these, you'll see these guys and women in, you know, in pivotal places. And, they, and you think, ah, oh, they could have been sent, you know, like Chico Xavier in Brazil, kind of re, reignited uh, spiritism in Brazil. Chico Xavier, from what I've heard, is supposed to be incarnated again 100 years from now in Jerusalem. Something big, a hundred years from now, is going to happen in Jerusalem. I can guarantee it. Otherwise, why would the spirit world put Chico there? Because he is such a was such a powerful medium. Emmanuel, 
Chico's spirit mentor is now incarnated. He's probably in the 1920, 18, uh, somewhere around that, depending on his birthday, is in Brazil incarnated right now. So these people are, are being sent to earth in important places. Now, they may not seem to us at first. It may take decades or 100 years to understand the effect, but they will be there. Now, the second thing to remember is, so you don't lose hope, is for those group of spirits who say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to learn. I'm, I'm not going to improve. I still want money and power. You know, I can understand that. Well, there's going to come a time, and that's, that's the, and I've talked about this other, other things of the apocalypse, which is, is the apocalypse according to spiritism, where little by little, and it's happening now, according to the spiritism, that more and more better spirits are being incarnated on earth. And those spirits who refuse to improve will not be incarnated again on earth. Maybe someone will give them another second or third chance. But those they will be sent to other planets, other planets in a lower level of a planet of atonement or maybe even a higher level of a primitive planet. So this is why I believe, and I know it's a long-winded you know, talk. But I thought your point was really great that, that someone commented that, you know, we're not going to improve. Well, I think we are improving. And this, you just have to look at the subtlety and the great length of time of how this process works. This process, I guarantee it, it will happen. In fact, that's what I think, and I remember what uh, Kardec said, in the, I think in the last question, it says, if God wills it, it will happen. And Jesus and God wills that earth will rise to a plan of regeneration. It will happen. Now, the timing could be quicker or slower. The timing is somewhat up to us, each individual, in helping ourselves and others around us attain a higher spiritual level. So I hope you found this interesting. And I just would like to, again... Um, tell everyone to please read the gospel according to spirits let me bring that up one more time it's just it's, it's a great book i think you will find it uh very useful um tell your friends about it and you can get it of course you can get it on uh amazon and but i first read the gospel according to spiritism on pdf so you can find all of his books on pdf it doesn't cost you anything so i i enjoyed that immensely and then if you'd like to, to learn what I was talking about to improve yourself spiritually is I took, oops, put the wrong thing down. Sorry about that. I took what was in a poem. By Henri Louise. And it was in the, the book, uh, Spiritual Missives of Hope. And it was 24 verses of how to uh, improve yourself, how to ascend, how to live. And each of the very short, like yeah, you need uh, uh, industrious patience, right? You, um, things like that. And I write each what each one of those means according to what I believe they mean according to the spirit world and how to attain that. And I use a lot of information from other spiritualist books on what they mean by what, what Henri Luis wrote in that poem. And I believe it gives you a step. And each step 
builds upon the next step and it will lead you through. And I have this on Kindle, audio, and paperback. So, and, and so hopefully this could help you. Now, if you want a more personal, uh, of what, of what spiritism meant to me and how I saw the, the signs and signals of, you know, of spiritism, how they kind of led me to where I am now. I have this, the seven tenets of spiritism, and this is more of how they affected me and those around me, my family. And I have, of course, this is also on Kindle paperback, and I have that on audiobook too. So there's a lot of resources out there, and I want to go through one last resource for those uh, who are interested, and that is there is a wonderful website, spiritismstudy.org. You can go there and you can uh, scroll down a little bit and you can set up an appointment with myself or other people and you can ask questions. You can talk about spiritism and, uh, and you know, just learn as you want, learn at your own pace. We're not going to make you do anything. We're not going to test you. Not going to cost you anything. It's just talking. We are here to try and, um, and give to you that information that you can pick up. Now, one of the person asked, okay, what, which one of the books would you advise me? So I, it depends on what you want to know. If you are more interested in how to, what spiritualism means, means to you emotionally and spiritually, then I would say, uh, how to live inner peace through spiritism or the seven tenets of spiritism. If you are interested in really, okay, understanding the whole process to me to me is before i could really believe i had to understand the whole process understand what heaven is what the areas are on heaven you know what does it mean what do we learn i mean all these things what are spirits what are the capabilities of spirits how how are we guided right i would really read my first book heaven and below and read that series of books because it goes through and there's so much information that i believe is actually about the higher levels and the more uh, complex organization and processes of heaven that you, you do not yet see in the books in Portuguese that have been given to mediums in Brazil. I have not seen that information. This is information that is not really available to them. It was, you know, it was given to England in the beginning of the 20th century. And I brought, brought that up and brought information from other books uh, by the Portuguese mediums, Francisco Franco, uh, Yvonne Piera, and Devaldo Franco, for instance. So I think that that would be, it depends on your, on what motivates you the most. And that's why I have this, this selection. So that is my uh, opinion. You can look through, you can find my books. Go to my website, nwspiritism.com. There's a, I have a group of my 14 books on the uh, right-hand navigation. You can look up the description of each and decide what you'd like to do. Okay. So I just want to thank everyone for being with me tonight. And I'll be here at the same time uh, next Sunday. And we'll continue talking about the gospel according to spiritism. And I recommend everyone to read that book. God bless and good night for everyone.